Welcome to the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast, the podcast that will help you build your 4-H house one lunch at a time. This is hosted by Megan Parr and Wendy Scott, 4-H specialist in Texas. And here we are, Megan. How are you, dear? Hey, Wendy. I'm good. How are you? I'm wonderful. It's Monday. Well, it is Monday. <laughs> that is for sure. And we are back on our normal schedule. Ish, I'm so sort of. excited. So for the listeners, it's Tuesday. If you're listening on Tuesday. Yeah. It is. The, the, the episode will drop on a Tuesday, but we're recording on a Monday this week. Yeah. And we're getting the episode out in the same week in which we record it. I know. What, <laughs> what kind of is that going on? <laughs> regular schedule. <laughs> Man. It's crazy talk. Yeah. So glad to be uh, back on a on a normal schedule and out of contest season for a little bit. Yes. Thank goodness. Thank goodness. Yeah. So how's life in the Ville? What's happening? Um, it's it's awesome. Weather is uh well it was very wet for the last few days, mm. like torrential rains. Um, but today the high is like ninety degrees and the sun is shining and it's the wind's blowing just a little bit and it's gonna be a beautiful day. What's it like up there in the LBK? Well, I haven't had to pull it up. I didn't know what was happening. We're due for rain today. I didn't. So when you're talking about torrential rains, we need that so desperately right now. The farmers need it. Oh, we all need it. It's terrible. So yeah, we're due for, we got an 80% chance of rain this afternoon, 70 this evening. But usually when that happens, it's like, it turns out to be a 10% chance and we don't get any. We'll oh, see gosh. what happens. I don't, I've, I've decided my next life, not that I believe in that, but I'm going to be a meteorologist. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I could just take a stab in the dark and go, it's going to rain. And, and what are people going to do to me that doesn't? <laughs> I mean, really, I, you can mess up as much as you want. And really, people may get mad, but what are you going to do about it? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. No doubt. All right, we digress. We digress. Let's get to the topic at hand. I was trying to put my teens on do not disturb. I don't know how to do that. So I just I don't either. It. Sorry. If it goes Sorry. off, oh, well. <laughs> Just, just deal with us listeners. There's lots of side things going on. The, the office yeah. phone may ring. Who knows what's going to happen? Gosh, mine rang for the first time in a while the other day and it freaks me out. I did not know what was happening. <laughs> so everybody just calls me on the cell phone, you know? Yes. And so, um, my, my office phone rang and I could not figure out what that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Most people use the cell phone now. I'm like, don't try to call my office phone. I'm here, but no, I, nah, just, just call my cell phone. Yeah. Yeah, it's easier. All right. Great topic. <laughs> yeah. This is one that is um, so near and dear to my heart. It's one of my favorite things to do ever. Um, and that's livestock clinics and workshops and just um, doing the educational part of the livestock projects. Yes. Yes. And this was one of my things when I was a 4-H agent. I loved to do this as a 4-H agent. Loved it because yeah. people desperately needed information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and um, you know, there's so many different levels and so many different ways in which we can teach this. I, I think what, one of the things that we learned a lot during COVID, and we've said this several times, but we had to um, rethink the way that we were educating. And I think that we can continue to do that with some um, non-traditional educational methods. How about that language for you? Non-traditional. So, 
that is that's extension lingo right there, baby. Extension lingo. <laughs> so Megan, what I'm gonna lead you into this. What is one of those non-traditional educational okay. methods? <laughs> yeah. So that's gonna be utilizing our social media and some videos. Um in the videos, I would say don't need to be longer than maybe five minutes, yep. but pick a topic. You know, it could be any topic. Um, I will say that there is, there are a couple of companies that are really good about doing some of these. I know that um, SureChamp has done some of these videos and uh, Lenders, I think, has done some videos and I know Perina has as well. Um, but if you want something that's specific to your kids, um, put together a little video, pick a topic, whether that is showmanship or daily care or measuring feed. You know, I, one of the things um, that, one of my old coworkers taught me was um, we asked these kids, you know, how much do you feed a day? And they respond with one scoop. One scoop or one can. That's what was in my yeah. head. <laughs> yeah. One scoop or one can. But do you know how much that one scoop or that one can weighs? And, and they can't answer that question because they don't know that. And so talking about how to weigh your feed out, because, you know, that's how we track how, and then, you know, I'm sorry, my brain is turning so fast. I'm so excited about this topic. Um, but that's how we, that's how we track um, how much weight those animals are going to gain per day yep. is by the amount of feed that we feed them. And so you can't do a, um, a weight gain ratio with a scoop if you no. don't know how much is in a scoop. And so, you know, do a quick little video on how to get a, um, a regular food scale out there at your barn and how to measure um, a scoop of feed. And then to write down, okay, one scoop of feed equals one and a half pounds. So if we're feeding one scoop a day for one and a half pounds, that's not enough for any animal, you know? And so, or one scoop of feeding, that's only three pounds a day. And depending on what animal you're feeding, they're not gaining very much weight. And so um, you could troubleshoot a lot of things by getting a little kitchen scale, but I digress. Um, I get real into the educational part of it because I love it so much. Um, but do a video over that and, and share that with your kids and, you know, break it up into smaller pieces and then put them on the YouTube or the Facebook or wherever you want to put them and, um, and do some education that way. Yeah. And I'm going to stay with that just to, to hang out there for a minute and a couple of things as you were talking, I think something that definitely goes along with this is teaching and you could video this the importance of record keeping and i know mm. some people have a dry erase board in their barn or they yeah. have i know one of my old 4-h families had a those little tiny clipboards and had a, a pad of paper on it and they would record like each pig had their own board and or their own little piece of paper and they would write down you know what they were eating or when they went off feed or when a shot was given and so it was specific to the animal so it wasn't necessarily all animals on one big dry erase board everyone had their own thing so the importance of record keeping and we talked to our kids we say we teach record keeping mm, sometimes we're not very good about it i think there's an area we could now i'm going to say this with it too when we're talking video make sure and you don't have to have the fanciest of the fancy to make a good video it can be on your phone. There's nothing wrong with that. I will encourage this. And this drives me crazy after I learned this. Whether you're phoning it, iPadding it, whatever your technology is, horizontal people, horizontal, you got to hold it that way. That makes a better video. Next thing is your audio. 
go to, and I, I just ordered some off Amazon. They are not expensive, some kind of lapel mic. And I got an extension on mine and you need to make sure whatever piece that goes from your microphone into your phone or iPad that everything jives, you may have to order the connecting piece. That way it's good audio because nobody wants to go out and hear the wind blowing or not hear you at all. So make sure good audio. And you can also buy a very inexpensive. And when I say inexpensive, I mean inexpensive tripod. Because if yeah. you're going to do it, do it right. Have the right equipment to go with it. Don't just think, okay, well, I'm going to have somebody hold my phone. And so it's shaky. They can't hear you because you're not mic'd up. So get the, get the good pieces if you're going to make make some good videos. So there, there you go on that. I just want to put that sidebar in there. Yeah, that was my thought too when you were talking was spend the 20 bucks and go get a, a decent stand to put your, your phone or your iPad or whatever you're filming off of uh, and, and let it to be stable. Um, yeah, and make sure. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. No, sorry. You go ahead. Just make sure when you order your tripod, see what it fits. So my tripod will go down as small as a phone up, and I have the biggest iPad now up to the biggest iPad. Just yeah. read your, read the, use your consumer decision-making skills <laughs> to get your tripod. <laughs> yep. Mine's got two, two places. So you can put a, um, a phone and an iPad on it at the same time, which is phenomenal. Oh, fancy. Yeah. Fancy. But yeah, yeah, think about your, your lighting, everything that goes with it. And it seems like I was talking to Dr. Ripley one day about this on videos that were made in what we call deep COVID. And he said, they noticed they were getting better views on the ones that had good lighting, good audio. Same thing, y'all. If a video's yucky, we don't want to sit there and watch it. So make sure if you produce yeah. it, it's something good that's out there. Yeah, for sure. Um, Wendy, what's something you've got, got on your list? You know, and I'll, I'll try to talk quickly about this. Back when I was a 4-H agent in Parker County, one thing we did, we did it because, I mean, quality counts still is a push, but it was really a big push back then, is a whole quality counts program. And they really wanted that to be, we called it at the time, our, our in, or it wasn't in-depth, it was our, oh my gosh, what do we call it? Uh, outcome. Outcome. I, I was like, outreach, that's not it, our outcome. So that was my outcome. So we did it first, all the species were together. And I was lucky to be right next door to, to Tarrant County where four stock show is. And so Stephen Marchman came over and he talked about general stock show rules and the importance of reading rules. And then probably one of the best parts people got into the, the late Dr. Florin Ferries who sat on the board. And I hate to say this is what he did, but, and it's gonna make some of our people cringe, but he sat on the board at Houston when people tested out and got to come in for a hearing. He sat in on those hearings. He brought that to the table about withdrawal periods, residue, the importance of reading your labels. And for some of our people, it scared the heck out of them. Not because they were trying to do anything illegal. They weren't. But they hadn't stopped about I stopped to think about reading those labels and writing those, just like I said, the record keeping, writing those things down when they're given shots, when they're given whatever, are you so close to showtime? You can't give them anything. He brought that to it. Wonderful. And there still is a man and I don't remember his name. Robert still does this. And, and again, during deep COVID still did this by zoom, had him pop into Lubbock County. I want to say even Sterling's people got in on it, but he still does this program. Y'all get people, man, if you can get this. And again, the guy, I need to text Robert and ask the guy's name. He's with AM, I know. Uh, but somebody to talk about the, the shots and reading those labels and understanding what things mean 
gosh, that opens up a whole lot of doors there. So we had that. And it seems like what well, we taught quality counts too, and that everybody broke into species. Now this was over weeks at a time. It's the only thing we tried to do in one day. And then we broke into species. So we had sheep one area, goats would be out at one barn, cattle were over here, you know, all over the place. And I would bring in, and I'm sorry, this may step on some toes. I brought in ethical people to talk to my people. <laughs> okay. I didn't care if they were necessarily the winners. Those may not be people I wanted talking to my people. So I made sure it's people that were on the up and up that were good in their game. I mean, I wanted to make sure it's people that have been successful, but people that were good at their game to come educate our people. And wow, we got a lot of mileage out of that program. It was so, so much fun to do and, and great comments from it. And the beautiful part was it created some wonderful relationships between the people I brought in and my 4-H people that they could call them, they could, you know, an animal went off feed, what should they do? And just great relationships came out of that. Yeah. So you said a couple of things that I want to pick up on. One, you talked about the, uh, and what Robert still does with the, um, the feed withdrawal times and um, med medication withdrawal times and all of that. Um, I think that is a, could be, needs to be a whole workshop in itself, because that's something that we often overlook. And then, um, you know, you mentioned it to a first time feeder and they, they have no idea what you're talking about, but I think it could go even further. I think it could go on to some sort of like, I'm going to say medical care, because it's not just the medicine that we give them, but it's also in the ways in which we give it. And so, um, you know, what, what do the different type of shots mean? What is sub Q? What is intermuscular? You know, things like that. And then teach those kids how to give a proper shot. You know, that honestly, I've done that a few times with um, livestock skillathon practices and just some different types of things. And um, that's one of the funnest workshops that my kids do is we take food coloring and we inject it into oranges or to bananas or whatever. And then they can see how terrible they are at getting shots and, um, you know, and, and things like that. And so I think it, it, that's one that we need to do. I think the other educational part of this is, um, this is kind of a, a side note, but it's, it's going further into the education. You know, so, so often we talk about just um, showmanship feeding daily care. Okay. But what happens when you get a kid who walks into the show ring and the judge asks them, with hogs, for example, what's their ear notch? How many kids can actually re read those ear notches? And how many kids actually know what breed they're showing? I'm sorry, and I'm going to offend some people with this, but blue butts is not a breed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think I've heard that question in a livestock quiz bowl. <laughs> you know, blue, blue butt is not a breed. Blackface, a blackface sheep is not a breed. Not a breed. A, a baldy is not a breed of cattle, you know? And, and so it, it's knowing what breed you're actually showing and what are some char characteristics of that breed? I think for, in Texas, we have the livestock skillathon. And, and I think that is one of the most underrated, underused um, activities that we have because it teaches all of those things. It teaches the, um, the, the medication part of it. What medicines do we give for what what ailments and um, the feed stuffs, you know, breaking down your feed. What do all these different parts of your feed do for your animal? And I think those are things that our students need to know. They're so crucial. You know, you get in there and there are, they are all part of the showmanship process because when you get into a ring and a judge asks you, okay, how much feed do you feed and how much 
uh, weight does your, does your animal gain a day? What part of your, how much protein are you feeding? That's all I was about to say. How much crude protein? (laughs) Yeah. Well, if you don't know how to read a, read a feed tag or B know what part of your feed is the crude protein, then you don't know how to answer that question. And you maybe get not, you could be the best showman in the world, but if you don't know how to answer those, you're not going to be the winner of that showmanship. Hopefully not be the winner of that showmanship contest, you know? And, And so I think that those are the things when we talk about these livestock clinics, those to me are the things that we can put in those, those videos, mm-hmm. you know, utilize those videos to do some of these topics. Okay. Go talk to a nutritionist and let a nutritionist come on with you and talk about the different parts of the, of the feed. Um, Perina has some really good, and I, I talk about Perina a lot because I've been in on a lot of their discussions and um, a lot of their trainings and things like that. And it's just the one I'm most familiar with, but um they have, they have a whole thing that will break down. If you have a Purina dealer in your, in your county or your town or whatever, they have a whole guide that will break down all the different parts of your feed and it will tell you what they do. And so um, it, it just is phenomenal. But those are some educational tools that we need to use with our kids. Break them down in some videos. Okay, so we have a, a hog mixture that has, we're going to feed, um, let's say, Linder 636. I don't even know if that's a number. I'm just making one up off the top of my head. Okay, it sounded we're good. Also, we're also going to feed some oats and we're going to feed some beet pulp and we're going to feed some um, other supplements. Okay. What do each of those things do? Why are we feeding those? Instead of just telling our kids what to feed, tell them why we're doing it. Why are you giving oats? Why are you giving beet pulp? Why are you putting um, this heavyweight supplement on top of it? Why are you putting, you know, the champion drive on top of your, your, your sheet feed. What do those things do? What, what benefit does it have? I'll tell you, Kurt Stillwell, um, out of, I think he's out of Oklahoma or Colorado. Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He does a phenomenal and it is, it is Perina based and I'll, I will preface that. Um, but he does a phenomenal workshop where he takes a calf and some chalk and he draws out on the side of that calf exactly where all the supplements that Purina um, has, what do they do? And he draws it out on the side of that calf so you get a good visual. So if we're gonna use, let's say, um, Champion Drive, he's got a little section on the side of that calf that says Champion Drive because that's what that, that particular supplement, that's the area that it targets. And it is the most beneficial visual for people who don't know how to feed those. They don't, you know, to be able to say, okay, my lamb needs more top. It needs bigger shoulders. It needs more fill in its loin area or flank or whatever. Okay, so I have these lists of supplements. Let's be real, a sheep is a mini, a mini steer, sort of. And so it's gonna typically be the same type of supplements. Okay, so I got a sheep, I need more fuel. I'm gonna use this particular supplement and go from there. And, and utilizing your social media videos, I'm sorry, I'm kind of talking in circles a little bit, but it all comes back to, these video topics and, and breaking them down into smaller bites for our kids to, to learn from. Um, but I want to kind of transition into, it also comes down to some partnerships because you might not have that education in your back pocket. You might not have those tools, but I guarantee you that there's somebody in your community that does, whether that's um, somebody at your local feed store or it's an ag teacher or it's a, a reader or somebody like that 
in your local community, go take your phone or your iPad or whatever and go hang out with them for a little bit and do a little video, a little five minute video, do multiple five minute videos and let them talk about a couple of different um, topics. You know, um, you uh, our, um, our feed store in, in Ellis County, um, Art Country Store does did this for a while and I got to be part of it um, a few times where we did some educational things there in the store and we actually got to have the projects out there to show the kids what they look like and how to use them. So like we did one on prepping um, your barn and your animals for cold weather. And so we had all the things that you would need for cold weather laid out and we went through and we talked about what they were and how to use them and why it was important. Um, one video we did, we talked about what to put in your show box, you know, and and the different things that you needed. Sure, the feed store got some, some marketing out of it, but I got some educational benefit out of it because a thousand people saw this video and knew what to put in their, their show box. And so, I don't know. I mean, I think that if you use your, your partners like that, then you can come up with some really good, high quality educational tools. Yep. And you said something right there. And I was having this conversation, you know, we, we do that Bible study for kids and there's several, which I may start crying. There's several who are about to graduate on the 15th and it <laughs> makes me sad, but some of them have asked about going to extension and their biggest concern is, well, Wendy, we don't, we don't really know livestock. And, you know, we are hiring a lot of agents that way. And, and back in the day, you better have livestock knowledge coming to the program. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that shift has changed a little bit. That doesn't mean you, you shouldn't learn though. And, and I said that same thing is there are so many resources out there, so many partnerships that can be created because nobody wants to hear as a new agent, well, I don't know. I don't know animals. Okay, well, that's fine to say that, but you better back it up with, but I'm willing to learn. And then you better make the steps to learn. Find those yeah. people, find those partnerships, hang on to those and teach yourselves. And I was even sharing this with the class the other day. You know, my husband knew nothing about sheep when he came to extension. Everybody thinks he did. He didn't, he didn't grow up showing sheep. He wasn't in 4-H. I don't even think he really did anything in FFA. He knew who, and I can't say he was self-taught. It wasn't self-taught, but he knew who to go to, to learn. Yeah. And it's so funny. The class I was talking to, one girl said, I'm shocked. She said, he's judged our county show several times and I would have never known. <laughs> and I said, people don't. Because he knew he had to teach himself. Yeah, that was my thought. I was like, he didn't know sheep, but he just shows all. I know, I know. People are shocked by that, but he knew he had to learn. And and so I say that if it's agents that are listening and you sit here and you go, well, I'm in a position where I should know livestock, but I don't. And not that you're going to be the expert, but by golly, you better find the experts. You you better be willing to learn and help your people because otherwise, and I won't get into details on this, they're going to go somewhere and try to learn. Yeah. And I will add to that and say that it's not just our main species. You know, we, we talk a lot about um, sheep, goats, cattle, and hogs, because that is the majority of our kids show those, those species. But, um, you know, we have kids that also show dairy goats. Mm-hmm. Maybe they show dairy cattle. Maybe they show turkeys or broilers or, you know. Rabbits. We just had a rabbit, rabbit show up here over the weekend. Yeah, rabbit. Um, it could be... Uh, the fancy birds, the, llamas, the growth, could be llamas, <laughs> alpacas. Yep, man. There's, I'll, I'll tell you, in, in Ellis County, uh, and I, I know I keep talking about that a lot, but this is, man, this really opened my eyes to all these different things. I had kids that showed alpacas, 
I had kids that showed um, dairy goats. I had kids that showed dairy cattle. I had kids that showed a whole host of rabbits. Um, and I had kids that showed turkeys and broilers and things like that. Um, those are not in my wheelhouse. I don't know anything about that. But what I did is I went with them. I learned about the projects alongside the kids and then um, showed, showed up for them. And that's really all they needed at that point was somebody to just show up for them. But yeah, be a cheer- and sometimes that's where it is, is to be the cheerleader. Yep. But that, that gets us off a, a long circle of getting back to these livestock clinics. <laughs> I don't know. I have to tell a funny story, though. You're talking about that, about what kids show. Okay. Cooper's first year at Fort Worth, he won his class with his goat. And so I ordered the picture and I'm all excited. So I get home one day. I'm like, oh, bear photographics. I open it up. <laughs> it, was, it was the kid that had the champion duck. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? Some of our kids may show ducks. Or guineas. Or... um guinea pigs um a whole host of cavies um you know and they do that in all those other states and in college I worked for a company called barn tours and we traveled around the country to different um county or state fairs and gave tours of the livestock facilities but at some of these these state fairs we had to learn how to talk about guineas and waterfowl and um cavies and all these different things and I was like uh we're gonna hit on them real fast and just keep going yeah, we're gonna go get back into where I'm comfortable. Yeah. But yeah, whatever your kids, whatever your kids, wherever that passion lies, be willing to learn. Yeah. To learn. Yep. And, and provide right. them with the necessary education. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah. So you were talking about one of your um your workshops that you did there in Parker County. One of the ones that I was fortunate to be part of in Ellis County, um, the last year I was there was called the Livestock Forum. And again, I talk about Perina, but um, that summer, a whole group of us from Ellis County, it was some ag teachers and me as the county agent and the the local feed store all took a trip up to St. Louis and we got to go on the Perina VIP tour. And if you've not ever been able to experience that, I would encourage you um, when they start doing that again to go be a part of it if you're able to. Um, it was so cool. We got to talk to the people who are behind the feed development. We got to talk to the top experts in in those species fields, you know, um, and got to see some really cool demonstrations and, and it was just, it was such a cool, such a cool, um, experience. But while we were there, the group of us that were, that were there started talking about the need for like a countywide livestock clinic. Um, you know, we all did our own clinics and our kids are getting, you know, trying to go to all these different ones and stuff, but we kind of tossed around the idea of what would it look like if instead of 4-H doing one and Waxahachie doing one and Midlothian doing one, we all came together and we just did one big one. And the feed store was like, yeah, let's do one big one. We'll sponsor it. We'll get some door prizes and we'll cook hamburgers and hot dogs and have a big time. And so that's what we did. And we had um, the experts in our county come and talk about those specific species. So like in our, in our county at the time, it was Midlothian was super, um, super into the sheep, really good at it. So they came in and talked about the sheep. Um, I had some 4-H kids that were really top in their, in their um, species of goats. And so they came in and did the goats. My coworker talked about cattle. You know, he's a, he's a real good cattle guy. And so he talked about that. And then we finished it with um, two of the ag teachers my youngest brother, and then um, one of the Waxahachie Ag teachers talking about hogs. And so 
they all, everybody kind of got a different perspective other than what was normal, you know, and those edu we utilized the educators that were in our county. You have those things. And I think that we often say, oh, I'm, I'm with 4-H. I can't go work with the FFA people. I can't go work with the ag teachers other than for things like validation or, or whatever, which will be a whole other topic that we cover later this month. But um, utilize those, those partnerships because a lot of the time they have information that you don't have or and vice versa. And I think that you can be a benefit to each other and to your kids um, if you will work together just a little bit. And it's fun. So, and I was like the yeah. thing we did in Parker, it was a 4-H FFA deal. It yeah. wasn't just 4-H and God, man, I, and a lot of those activities are still there. Gosh, we had fun. We had so much fun together yes. all the time, not just at the clinics. I mean, we just had fun. Yeah. Those ag teachers are still some of my closest friends. I mean, anyways, um, we're, yeah, we're, 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 we are really all over the place today. <laughs> we are. We're just, this one is just livestock clinics and livestock projects are just such a, a passion. I feel like a, of a lot of people, but particularly of, of mine. Um, and I could talk about livestock clinics and education and stuff like that all day long, but well, and it's, it's um, such a need. It's such a, need. Yeah. you know, when you're talking about the money that people spend and, and, and I don't want to, I don't want to act like you have to go spend tons of money. You don't, you don't, I mean, there can be, well, I say that hmm. we try not to get you to be outlandish, you know, use your consumer decision-making when it comes to buying your projects, have a budget. But when you're talking kids and you're talking money and you're talking animals, there's so much education that needs to go with it. And we just think, okay, well, they go get the animals. Okay, well, good luck with that. There's, there's things that people need and, and we can supply that. Maybe not us personally, but we've got, the, we, we've got fingers that can reach out to all kinds of people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I think that, you know, we said this earlier, but so often it just focuses on the showmanship, like the show ring part of it. But you got to do the other work before you get to the show ring with the, the withdrawal times and the um, feed stuffs and the um, daily care, the management part of it, facilities, selection, all of those things have to happen before we ever get to animal, you know, like those are those, that's the education the kids actually need. Yeah, no, um, I'm not, before they I'm ever get, into get away a from that showmanship I, because Megan and I were no, talking, no, no. You know, we always talk pre-show and I used to be like, there's too many showmanship clinics going on, right. but mm, I'm going to say something and it, I'm <laughs> feisty on this Monday. I don't know. Y'all, I, I watched some kids show showmanship sucks. I'm sorry. I, and I'm going to call out some people that are good, not bad. I know you were scared when I was like, I'm going to call out some people, <laughs> you know, and I want to tell parents. Quit coaching your kids in the dang show ring. That's what the home is for. Yes. I know little ones. I know sometimes little ones, they can't see feet on a sheep or goat or steer. I get it. And maybe there has to be some direction. Okay, I get that. Quit waving and make a fool out of yourself. And I hope we have some parents listen to this or agents or the jocks or whoever. But when I see high schoolers, that should know better, that have been showing since third grade, that are constantly looking in the stands. And that, that was not more evident than this year when all those shows were live streamed, you could see it. They weren't even looking at the mm -hmm. judge. That is a basic thing we taught our kids. You better look at that dang judge. Don't look up yep. at us. Don't do it. And I will say, shout out to two people here. And I'm going to tell them I'm talking about them. Lincoln Graham. He is a, six, a little tiny sixth grader. You'd never know he's sixth grade, tiny boy. 
That boy can show a steer. He even got recognized by the judge at Houston about his showmanship. But why is he that good? Not because somebody else does it at home, because he does it at home. He does the work. It's not mom and dad outworking the animal. Yes, mom and dad are there to support, but it's Lincoln that's outworking the animals. Jed Hill, this is one of Sterling's kids. And it's so funny that you don't see dad coaching Jed or his sister. You don't see it. I was at their county show, no coaching. You don't see it at the major shows. You know what? What happens when they get out there is what happens. And I thought that that's pretty impressive. That's impressive to watch those parents just sit back and know, okay, I trained them at home. Now we got to let them go. We got to mm -hmm. let them go. So yes, the showmanship clinics are important. It's not to take away, but how are you coaching those kids? <laughs> are you coaching yeah. them to always watch them in the stands? Please stop it. <laughs> yeah. I, my, so I have a funny story about this, about a parent coaching from the sideline. And I've used this quite often in some showmanship workshops and stuff, but um, that's the number one thing. I, both my brothers judge livestock shows all over the place. And um, they'll tell you that the number one thing that pisses them off as a judge is to hear a parent coaching their kid from the, from the fence. Yes. Um, because when they, when that kid gets into that show ring, their main focus should be that animal and that judge. Yep. It should not be listening to mom and dad. And so in these workshops, I tell that to mom and dad, you know, Hey, you got to put the work in at home to, to equip your kid enough. We got to do that education on the front end of it so that when they get in there, they feel confident enough to be able to do the job they need to get done. Well, when you're standing at a county stock show and it was the, um, God, was it the breed drive or the overall drive? I can't remember in the hog show and I'm standing there and I'm just, you know, watching my kids go and do their thing and stuff. And there's a mama and I'm standing on the fence, like by the announcer stand. And there is a mama in my back pocket going, come on, baby, come on, baby, move her, move her. Oh, go faster and all this stuff. And I was losing my mind because this lady was not quiet at all. She was screaming her lungs out. Like it wasn't a very big ring. <laughs> like, we're standing where the hogs come in, you know, at the announcer's table. And man, she was so obnoxious and so loud and and I can't, I, I want to say it was either Brad Bevel judging that year or Cassidy Hayes. I, I can't remember, but he just kept looking over at us and was like, what the heck is going on? But this mom is, her kid was a senior. <laughs> oh, no. Mm -mm. <laughs> you know? oh. No. Her kid, well, I, maybe she was a junior that year, but she was a junior or senior and she's screaming at her kid to, to do all these things with her hog. And I'm like, your kid is a really awesome showman. Like she's come and taught workshops for me before. She doesn't need you to tell her that on the sideline, like stop doing it. And I, I think that, you know, yeah, you might step on some toes when you announce that in a workshop, but tell the parents that because it is distracting for the kid and for the judge. And that does come down to a part of the showmanship. Absolutely. I mean, especially if you're going to send them into the showmanship show, you know, and, and if you as a parent are standing on the sideline screaming at your kid, that judge automatically is going to put that kid at the bottom. They're yeah. not putting them at the top because at that point, it's not the kid doing the showmanship. It's the parent. Yeah. And, um, and, and you have to, you have to tell the parent that. And so maybe, maybe a good way to do some education with that is to put a graphic together. Do's parent do's and don'ts at stock shows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should do that, Megan. <laughs> You know, it, it, people don't realize how obvious it is. 
Yeah. And they think you can't see. And I had the opportunity. I judged a, a, I'll call it a secret showmanship this year, you know, where somebody's just watching and it was me. It was me. And it is so obvious. It's so <laughs> obvious who's getting coached, who you can see everything. Yeah. Every, and this was a major show. I did this. It was, it's crazy what you can see and what you can hear. So when you think you're yep. being all quiet over there, you're not. No, nope. <laughs> not you're real loud. <laughs> I like getting behind the parents that had the legs numbered, and like they'll hold up a one, and I get behind them and I start holding up like eight fingers, and I, that, I like messing <laughs> with those people. I do. I can't help it. I can't help it. And uh, show me. Oh, we better get off this because this could be like a whole podcast by itself. I'm gonna get on my showmanship box terribly. Works got to be done at get, home. Let's give you some other yeah. Let's other keep going to use for your uh for your non traditional education because we do want you to do those those good in person livestock workshops as you're able to mm -hmm. and again pull in the the good ethical speakers and things like that. But there are some other ways that you can take that education further. We said the videos already and to do a whole host of topics and things like that. But there's some other things you can do. You can do some graphics, like some some easy just social media graphics that like uh what do you need to get started or a project at a glance you know how much is it going to cost to have that that show pig or that steer or whatever um do one on what is validation you know why why do we do validation and in other states you might not have the validation like we do in texas but in texas you have to prove ownership of your animal and, and you can't do that with a market animal with you know registration papers because we don't register market animals like that um but so we do validation and you got to have a state validation to show at any of these major livestock shows. And so um, why do we do that? Why is it important? And what is validation? What does it look like? You know, and the ear tag and things like that. Um, I think you could also do some newsletters and we, you know, I kind of go back and forth on this because sometimes people will read a newsletter, but sometimes they won't. Uh, and, um, but those who do, will get some good stuff out of it. Maybe just put some reminders in it. Put a, an article a month about, you know, how to deal with whatever is, is happening at the time. And, and it's not something that you have to write. Go pull one from, we have a whole host of extension publications that go out. Texas Youth Livestock puts a whole bunch of information out all the time about things that we're, we're facing. Um, PEDV was a big one this, this year during stock show season. Um, we're coming up on probably after this rain that we've gotten here in Central and South Texas on um, probably some fungus management with some sheep and goats would be a good one to put up there. Um, you know, maybe put some information up about how to keep your feet healthy with your animals because that is a big thing um, and stuff like that. Um, and then my last thing, I'm sorry, Wendy, I'm just finishing up my list. <laughs> um, it's so a good the last thing is, uh, is to do like a beginner showmanship clinic but pull in your more seasoned kids. I think we've said this already once, but pull in those more seasoned kids and do some peer-to-peer -peer education. Yep. It doesn't always have to be you teaching it. You know, again, utilize your beer partnerships and your resources. And it doesn't even have to be your 4-H kids. And they don't even have to be from your county. Pull in kids that you have noticed are good showmen. I promise they're going to say yes, because that for a lot of those older kids, that is their jam is for uh -huh. somebody to recognize how awesome they are and ask them to come teach someone else. Um, I, I've done that. I, I pulled in a kid. She was an eighth grader, I think, when she came and helped me with a, a swine workshop. And she kind of looked at me and said, Miss Megan, I'm not good enough to teach this. Like this is, I'm, this is not, 
I, I don't, I don't feel confident in teaching this. And I said, Liberty, you have won everywhere. You have, you have done all these things. You're an incredible showman. You need to come in and, and, and demonstrate that. And she said, do I have to talk? And I said, no, you don't have to talk. Just come demonstrate your showmanship. And, and you know what happened is she got there, she demonstrated her showmanship and how to train your hogs to get um, to come in and out of gates without running and things like that. And then she ended up taking over the workshop and talking about her daily routine and what she does to work with her hogs every day. It just took a little bit of encouragement to get her to a point where she wanted to, to do that. And then she got in it and she was like a whole different person. And then what we saw was after that workshop was over, she then was approached by other students who wanted her to work with them one-on-one. -on -one. And so she got that opportunity to continue that education with some other kids. So pull in your, your older kids and, and let them help lead some of those workshops too. Yeah. And if you've got livestock ambassadors, whether they're in your county or next door, I mean, and some are willing to travel, even if they're not the county right next to yours, they're willing to travel and help. So utilize those. And again, I, I don't know if other states have these. This is a, a Texas thing. And I, I think I'm going to finish with this. Well, first of all, I did text Robert while we were on here and he said, Travis Mays, M-A-Y-S, is who did mm -hmm. the, the drug program. So you may want to contact Travis. Again, I think he, I, I'm almost sure he's with Texas A&M. So just Google Travis Mays, Texas A&M. Another thing I would say, talk about with kids, you know, and we say we teach this in the 4-H program, but do we really? No. Goal setting. Yes. And I know every kid wants to say, I'm going to be the Houston Grand Champion. Okay, well, there's only one of those in each species. And I'm not saying the, the goal of placing, I'm not saying that's bad, okay? But I always try to get kids to think of what skills do you want to develop and what knowledge do you want to learn dealing with your animals? What and, and go with it that point. And that's where we do use the dry erase board in the barn of what are you doing to reach that goal? If they want to put placing as a goal, that's fine. And then we talk about that. Okay, if you, you want to place at this major show, can you just go to the barn once a week? No. Can you just go throw feet out and not watch them eat and see how they're eating? Are they attacking? Are they not eating at all? What are they doing? Nope. And so we can talk about some things with that, just again, trying to get kids to think, not saying take away from the goal of, I want to go be the, the San Antonio Grand Champion Barra. That's okay, but there's one of those. There's one of those a year. Mm -hmm. Think of some other goals that might fit that. What are some other things you can do? So I think goals you know, is really important too. Yeah, and I, I'll say too, you know, a, a good goal, you know, I, I agree. We, every kid wants to be Grand Champion or they want to, sure sell their, make the sale or whatever at their county stock show. Um, but I would say a good goal for some of those first year kids is to um, not have their hog run around the ring, you know, work with their hog enough to where it doesn't take off running or um, a lamb that they don't have to get loose or doesn't jump on them or something like that. You know, those, those start small with those goals. Sure. Shooting for the moon with green champion is, is fine, but let's start with those other things. Yeah. Okay. That is so scary because I was about to say that because, you know, if you haven't learned from the lunchtime ladies yet, we're a little competitive. <laughs> and yeah, I, I wanted my personal children to do well and I wanted my 4-Hers to do well. But you know what? For some kids, it's exactly what you said, Megan. For some kids, it's walking out and that animal didn't get loose or it didn't run. Yeah. <laughs> and they walk out and they're like, all right, my animal didn't get loose. And for them, that's like winning the world. Yeah. Celebrate that fact. Celebrate that fact the animal didn't get loose. That's a good thing. 
you know, and, and I think as educators, we some we often put so much pressure on these kids to yep. to do well, to place well, all that sort of stuff. Parents do that, everything. Um, but I will say that one of the one of the best things I've ever done for my kids is to really pay attention to their showmanship. And mm-hmm. when they come out of the ring and they're disappointed because they didn't make the cut at San Antonio or they didn't do this or or you know they got third instead of first or whatever, look at them and tell them okay, but tell me about the things you did in the ring. What were the things you did in the ring that were right? What are the things that you did that you know you need to work on again? Um, I I watched a kid. He never got pulled at San Antonio with his lamb. He made the lap um, and he was so disappointed about it. And I looked at him and I said, buddy, that's the best you have ever shown that animal. That is the best showmanship you have ever had. Like you got that thing stuck. It was awesome. That judge walked past you four times. He put his hands on that lamb four times. He just, you just didn't have what he was looking for today, but you, because you stuck it so well, that judge could not go past you, you know? And so those are the wins. Those are the goals that we want our kids to have. And those are the wins that we want to celebrate. I mean, we want to celebrate the other ones too, but we want to celebrate those little things as well. That's exactly right. And I, now I'm one of those people. I'm, I'm probably a little harsh. Now I don't ever tell a kid, they I'm not saying that, but People know me well enough, and I even said this to a kid at Houston at the Bear Show. I don't, I don't give compliments just to give them, <laughs> and that sounds terrible. <laughs> but that's why when people know I, I make a comment on showmanship, I'm serious. When I and this yeah. little girl is precious. She's in fourth grade. She got put in the Dead Sea, and I, I was watching her on video, and I was watching her in the Dead Sea, and she kept showing, and she did so good, and and she's kind of one. She's working on her confidence. And I told her, I said, so-and-so, I don't compliment everybody on showmanship because I just don't. But I said, you got out there and you kept showing. You kept, sh-. And you know what? At that point, that's all she could do. That's all she could control. And I, I used to have this saying, and one of my kids went to be a, a stock manager at Sam Houston, and they were at the fourth open show. And they had they put this sign over their stalls and had my had agent, Wendy, beside it. And it said, you can't always control the animals you take to the ring, but you can control your showmanship. Mm-hmm. And you can control your showmanship on some. Now I know there's some animals that are rambunctious. I mean, Sterling had a goat one year. His name was Jimmy. He became a pet and he jumped all the time. It looked like some Sterling- of them are just hard headed. Oh, he was. Oh, he was such a toot. He, oh, Jimmy. Oh, Jimmy. Jimmy could jump. Those of you that watch Seinfeld know what I'm talking about. Anyway, this goat was insane, but he became a pet. Yeah. Don't let it. Anyway, that's sidebar. That's sidebar conversation. But anyway, showmanship is important so yes great clinic to have but as we've shown you and talked about today there's lots of other clinics you can do with your kids yeah again I want to reiterate breaking down that education into the smaller pieces um, because we tend to cram it all into one session and overwhelm our people so break it down as much as you can to make it um, as simple as you can so that people really get the most benefit out of it in any any form that that looks like for you yeah and y'all short and sweet Kids, even a one-hour showmanship clinic or a one-hour any clinic, they're going to walk away without 10 minutes of something. So yeah. 10 minutes short something, usually you're going to get more bang out of your buck on that than an hour long something. Yep, for sure, for sure. Well, so, woo, fun topic. We're going to cut it off here because we could talk about this one for days and days and we days. Could. <laughs> we could. The old, the old show mom in me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is my... my um Livestock projects are, are my thing. I love clinics. I love education. But anyways, 
I digress. I they are I your jam. For hours. They're your jam. They are. They are. <laughs> yeah. So with that, Wendy, do you have anything else you need to tell these fine folks today? I don't. Just thank y'all for joining us. And what a fun project focused, I was about to say semester, spring we've had. <laughs> and, and again, yes. we hope you've gotten some ideas that you can utilize, especially this summer. Utilize your yeah. summer. For sure. For sure. Get that education in while the kids are out of school. Yep. And pl- or playing out your fall, your fall education. Yes. Too. Good so. point. Awesome sauce. Well, we will see you all right back here next week. Same time, same place. Bye. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies podcast. We'd like to continue this conversation with you over on our social media pages. So be sure and follow us on Instagram and Facebook and connect with us there. You can find us at the 4-H Lunchtime Ladies on both platforms.